Kevin Smith, and you're listening to Radio Brendo Man, the only radio that matters with the name Brendo Man in it. If you're not listening to it, just what in God's name are you listening to? I can give you some options, but that would defeat the purpose of the plug. Brendo Man. Welcome to another episode of Radio Brendo Man. I'm Brendan Creasy. And I'm Phil Vecchio. And today is a very special episode. Um, a few weeks ago, we interviewed author James Riley. Well, now we have another author here. Um, we have Lisa Graff. We read her book in the book club called A Tangle of Knots, and it was awesome. So now we're going to talk to her about it. Lisa, how are you doing today? Hi, I'm good. I'm glad to be talking to you guys. Good yeah, to have for you being on the show. So, another reason—the reason we also happen to have you on the show—is you, like Phil, are from Big Bear, so you guys knew each other. Yeah, we go way yes. back. We were in the Pencil Breath Society together. The what? Yes, the Creative Writing <laughs> Club at our school. The, the Pencil Breath Society. <laughs> okay. PBS. Yeah, that was Phil's PBS. idea. I suggested yeah. Pencil Breath, yeah. and then Phil said we should call it the Pencil Breath Society so that we can say it on our resumes that we wrote for PBS, which was brilliant. Yes. So, see, I've had a dumb <laughs> sense of humor forever. This is not a new thing. Oh, I'm well aware. <laughs> I, I also heard that so, the like a couple years ago that the students wanted to change it because they thought that was a really terrible name, and then the teacher, Mr. Harrison, refused is it still going? Is PBS? I think it's still going. At least a couple years ago. Wow. It was. So you guys oh, that's awesome. created a legacy. That is super That's cool. our that's legacy, pretty cool. Phil. That's pretty cool. <laughs> that's a pretty good legacy. I'm okay with that. There's worse legacies you could have. <laughs> so what did you guys do in the creative writing? Was it just like a class or just like an after-school activity? Yeah, it was after school, and we, um, I guess we just wrote stories, right? And then we would critique yeah. them. and um, Yeah, we'd take turns reading out a little bit of it, you know. Yeah. Little it was really cool. I mean, that was the first time that I ever really had anyone read my stories and, and comment on them and make suggestions. And so that, it was a pretty cool club. So That's been a long time. Do you remember, like, what you wrote then? Yeah, what's funny is, like, I don't know specifically what stories I wrote, but I was writing children's stories even then. Like, that's what I was always really interested in. And um, I I think I was writing a lot of picture books and stuff. That's cool. I don't remember what... I I don't think I read a lot. I think I was too shy to, like, actually read them out loud. Yeah, I don't remember what you wrote. What did you write? I I don't remember. I mean, I know I did some, like dumb short stories at some point but i don't remember honestly i don't know something i could, i was probably just the lurker that came to listen to everyone's cool stories i guess <laughs> so so at what point so, yeah, did you like decide like hey maybe this is something i can do for a living or this is what i'd like to do with with my life like at what point was it all the way back then or was it in college or it was so i wrote 
I really just was writing for fun for a really long time. And even in high school, um, I really just, I think I wanted to be in the club because I had friends in it and my older brother was in it and I liked to write, but it was not something I took seriously at all. And, um, so I kept writing in college and I, I just started writing more and more and more. And then I actually went to college originally, I was pre-med and, um, yeah, but that quickly died. And then, um, and then I, uh, I got my degree in, um, psychology, linguistics and psychology. So I was studying, um, language acquisition and I didn't really know what on earth I was going to do with that. So, um, so I started to sort of brainstorm in my senior year of college, you know, what I actually liked to do. And I realized that I was constantly writing these children's stories. And at that point, I'd written several children's novels. And I really didn't think I was going to do anything with them. But I thought, you know, here's something I've always enjoyed doing. And so I started to look up graduate school programs because I knew that I needed to learn a lot about writing before it could be my profession. And so I guess I had this idea that if I got accepted into a graduate school program for creative writing, then I might actually be good at it. And if not, I had no backup plan. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so I applied to a couple schools. I got accepted to a couple. And, um, and I ended up moving to New York right out of undergrad to go to graduate school there. And, um, and that's how it all sort of started. So what was your first book then that you published, and when did that come about? Uh, the first one I had published was The Thing About Georgie, which um, I think came out in, I want to say, 2006. Okay. Was that during or after the Greg program? Uh, that So I sold that and what became my second novel the, the day of my thesis reading when I was in graduate school. Yeah, wow. so that one, I graduated in 2005, so I think the thing about Georgie came out the next year, and I've done pretty much one or two novels every year since. Yeah. That's awesome. So, how, like, did you did you have a, an agent or a manager? How does that work? Like, how did you sell those first couple? I got an agent when I was in graduate school. He's still my agent. His name's Stephen Barbara. He's amazing. Um, and he, it was very serendipitous. He overheard in a restaurant, I think, he overheard some friends of mine from the program talking about a reading we were doing at the new school, at my school, uh, that evening, and he was looking for new clients, and so he came to the reading, he heard me read, um, he gave me his card, I sent him some manuscripts, and he ended up taking me on as a client, and it turned out, I didn't know it at the time, but um, it turned out I was his first actual client, so he was like, he was acting like this big hotshot agent, and um, and I had no idea he was like searching for people and didn't really have any authors signed up of his own. So it was pretty funny. <laughs> That's a sign of a good agent, someone that can make you believe they're a good agent, whether yeah, he's done really it or good not. at that. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. So it's funny. Uh, our the last author we interviewed kind of had not the exact same, but also sort of just fell into the situation that led to him selling his stuff. So I guess that's the way that you sell books is like fall into it. I mean, it's yeah, it's, there's so much luck involved and I feel like it's, it is very serendipitous how it happens, but it's also, you know, a, a matter of being in the right place at the right time because you put yourself in the right place at the right time. You know what I mean? Like, right. But right. yeah, there's, there is a lot of luck involved because I think, if you want to be a published writer, you need talent and you need 
you know, hard work and you need luck and you, you really can't do it without all three of those things. Because you had to, he would also have a book that you know you could sell when you right. <laughs> so that's cool. So how many total books have you had published? So I ju- my I think my seventh middle grade just came out, and then I have two that I write under a pen name with my husband. We co-write um, a series for teens, and I write those under the name Isla Neal. And then I have a couple more coming out um, next year and the year after. Yeah. Awesome. That's so and then so Tangle and Knots was what, two years ago? That came like that? out last year. Last year, okay. Um now that's I have to admit that's the only one I've read of although, them yet. Of although of course we'll be reading more, but are do they are they all how is it fit in with your your library? Is it similar to how the other ones are, or is it kind of a special, different well, style? Style-wise? Yeah, in terms of my middle grade, a Tangle of Knots is very different because it's my only fantasy, and it's you okay. know sort of fantasy okay. light. But all my other ones are realistic fiction. Okay, okay. Um, now, I have to say, and Brendan, you'll back me up here. This was like amazing. Like it was a really, really good. Yeah, was, not that I wasn't expecting it to be, but I was, I was um, kind of blown away by how good it, it was. was. Me too. I, I really loved it, and I want to read more. I, I'm sure you get that a lot. Of like, is are you going to continue writing any books like this? I actually, um, you guys get the exclusive. I just um, signed a deal to do a companion <laughs> novel, so that's what I'll be working on next. Yes. Ooh, <laughs> awesome. So companion meaning, what does that mean? So it's not a sequel, um, but it takes place in the same world, and I don't really know what happens, so I can't spoil it for you guys, Mm -hmm. um, because I'm still (laughs) figuring it out. But um, I think it will probably have um, just maybe one or two crossover characters, but it it will be a book that you could read independently of the other one. Um, So not a straight sequel, but in the same world. Okay, so we actually came up with this idea. You didn't know that, but we already came up with this idea because we said, like, you know, the the book A Tangle of Knots is kind of a perfect, you know, set-apart story, but we want to see more in that universe with maybe different characters or talents or whatever. So we actually came up with that idea, too. So you're Well, right feel free to tell me all of your ideas that you have for it because I don't know what happens. <laughs> I don't know. The super squirrels, like, out in the forest, maybe ha- they need a whole, like, spinoff like, series right, on their own, good. I Taking think. notes. Taking notes. Because <laughs> <laughs> what are they doing out there? That's awesome. <laughs> what, what are the talents they got? Just the whole idea of, like, the talents being, like, this low-level superpower type thing, it just... It was really cool. I've never read anything like that or heard of like that idea before. So, I don't know. It was really, really good. Cool. So, thank you. <laughs> I want to I wanna know what happens to the squirrel that can spit everywhere. <laughs> yeah, there's a spitting squirrel out there. Right? Yeah. That would be dangerous. 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 And who knows what else those squirrels can do. Like, like, I know, right? Maybe, maybe the just... squirrels take over the universe. Now, I mean, if they have enough of those powers, I think it's funny because that's such a small part of the book, and that was one of my favorite parts. And I feel like kids, when I talk to kids who have read the book, that's like a part that sticks with them, and it's only like a, <laughs> a paragraph or something, right? Like, but it's a part that yeah that people really really latch onto because I think it's just so weird. Also, I want to know. I mean, I know the owner was like trying to get the the peanut butter recipe, obviously, but. What was he going to do with all those powers he was collecting? Did he have like this 
bigger plan to like world domination type thing or was he just I feel like that's a good question like um I feel like he is just like sort of a grouchy old man and he just stole things because he could like so I think of him as yeah like a hoarder um just so someone else can't have yeah basically um that's how I pictured him but I I don't know I mean he could have like put on a funny talent show I guess <laughs> now my brother for the book club, my brother actually wound up getting the audiobook version. Oh cool. And, and he listened to that and he the his comment cuz I asked him like how it compared or what he thought of it and he thought he liked how the recipe parts were handled cuz you hear like the little cooking Yeah, I loved that. I thought that was really cool. I had nothing to do with it, but I thought it was really cool. <laughs> Well, because that was my first question: is what do they? How do they have the recipes in there? Yeah, so. I was. I I thought it'd be so strange to have to listen to recipes, but it's actually it works out. <laughs> yeah, that's a that was a good way to handle. Yeah. It. So, were all these recipes? Are these? Do you also bake a lot? Did you come up with these recipes yourself? Yeah, I love baking. I'm a huge baker, so I um I did. I mean, they're all adapted, so they're all. Like, I didn't, like, invent cake, right? <laughs> like, I, I definitely, like, oh, really? oh. I adapted them all to be really specific to what I wanted. And then, um, although the one I did come up with, which I was really proud of, was the garlic cake. Because I knew that I wanted there to be a garlic cake in the book. And I weirdly could not find a recipe for garlic cake. So um, I sort of had to make that one up. And um, so I tested them all, and I tested, I can't even remember how many, but over the course of six months, it was something like 30, 40 cakes. Wow, sounds like a rough job. It was insane, though. It was ridiculous. <laughs> like, I started inviting people over to the house, and then I would, like, send them home with half a cake. I'd be like, bye! <laughs> so how did the garlic cake turn out? It's so good. <laughs> it's really, really good. It's sort of like, I mean, it's not like a cake cake. It's like yeah, cornbread yeah, yeah. or something like that. Um, My friend made like these garlic cheese cookies and everybody was really apprehensive. But then I ate one and it was like the best thing. Yeah, it's ever. really good. It just sounds super disgusting. So I needed to Because you think cake, you think sweet. And mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's actually really tasty. Well, that's dedication to the craft that you didn't just put in some random recipe, but actually, like, tried them out and tested it before you put them out there. Yeah, I mean, I worked as an editor for several years at a publishing house in New York, and um, that was one of the things whenever there was a recipe or a craft in a book, someone in the office had to test it out to make sure it worked. And um, <laughs> and so I would always, like, offer to do the recipes because I thought that was really fun. And uh, so, yeah, I'm very dedicated. So what... Did you enjoy that job? That because that's always a job I've been curious about. Um, editing, being an editor at a, like a publisher, like is it? Do you just is it rough reading books that aren't that great all day, or is it cool to read and develop? Like, what part of the job was did you enjoy, and what part didn't you enjoy? I loved that job so much. It was so much fun, and if I could do both things well, I still would. Um, mm-hmm. But. I the weird thing about being an editor that I think a lot of people don't know is that so much of it is not actually reading and editing. That's really like almost the smallest part of what you do because there's so much that goes into it. Like basically you're the person who coordinates every aspect of whatever book you're working on. So you're coordinating with the design team and the production team and all of these different people and making sure that the book turns into whatever you and the author have decided it should be. And, um, and some of that is really fun, but a lot of it is just really administrative. 
And um, okay. and so the editing part for me was the most fun by far. I loved editing. Um, reading submissions could be fun, but was often very difficult, especially, you know, I was there for five years, so I never was like the highest person up in the company, right? I was one of the lower people. <laughs> so the, the, the submissions that I was getting were often not the best <laughs> submissions. And so um, when when you first start out, um, you're the person that's in charge of what they call the slush pile. I don't know if you know this term. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. Well, Phil, we have a slush pile at Popvox Music, basically. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. In that, yeah, we had a lot of music submissions, same thing. Yeah. So anything that's just like unsolicited, right? So I was in charge of that, and we would get um, Mondays were the worst because I would open the mail with another low-level <laughs> assistant who, who became <laughs> one of my very, very good friends, and Monday mornings we would spend about an hour and a half opening the slush and just opening it, not even reading it, but literally just taking it out of envelopes and like stamping the date on it. And we could get, you know, over a hundred submissions in a day and we'd have to read them. And, and most of them, like 90% of them were unreadably bad. It became sort of fun though. You get, you get a little weird. (laughs) Yeah. We've again, with like getting music demos, we've definitely gotten some pretty humorous stuff. Although occasionally we got some stuff that was pretty good and wound up working with people. Did you ever come across an unsolicited book that you did wind up like putting forward? Or? Yeah. I mean, there were a couple of things that I passed along to my bosses at that point and, um, and they did end up publishing a couple of things from the slush pile, which is also, I mean, it's just sort of amazing. Did you, did you yeah. find when you have gone through that much, you know, slush, do you ever find that you're, your bar for like what is great just gets lowered so much. Like when you find something that's like even listenable, you're like, "This is amazing." Yeah, this is the best thing. Yeah, there would be times where Phil would be like, "Ready, you got to listen to this. It's really good." And I'd listen to it and be like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> but it's like by far the best thing you've heard in like yeah, days. Yeah. But then also sometimes you would get things that are just so weird. And bizarre that that makes them amazing in their own way. Not that we would ever right. do anything with it, but in our private collection, it's something. Yeah, I have quite the collection of demo CDs, uh, just in case I need something to pick me up on a bad day. You know? <laughs> so I now, now, oh, sorry. Sorry. I was just going to say I had this – I kept this box of things that people would send with their submissions because they would often send things <laughs> that they would think would make them stand out. I don't know if you get this, but, like, I would get, yeah. like, goggles and, like, dog biscuits and like dolls and just the weirdest stuff did any like what what's the best thing that you got do you have that you've kept i think like well people would send food which i would never eat because i was just terrified (laughs) here's food from a stranger sent in the mail what could possibly go wrong here i think like the probably the best thing was someone had written a picture book about Marco Polo, like not the explorer, but the pool game. And so, so they made these homemade glasses, but they were like they were like swimming goggles, but they were blacked out so you couldn't see. And I was like, this is a disaster. Who would put these on? You would just fall and die. <laughs> it's kind of amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Brenda, you so, had another question. Um, well, I was just saying. So, you worked as an editor, and you're also now you're a, you also work as a professor. 
I'm guessing now that as, as an editor, that really did that help hone your like you know what pe- to, to look for in books, and that can help in your teaching. Or I don't know. I just that could I just see how that could come in handy when you're trying to teach. I think right. so. Yeah, I mean that in grad school, it's all sort of the same skill as just learning how to streamline a book and what makes a book more readable and. Um, yeah, I I don't yeah, you learned I learned a lot from editing and I think it was really good in some ways for my writing, but I think in other ways it also made it more difficult because it's hard to turn off that part of your brain when you're trying to be really creative and just like let yeah. yourself go. So, it was hard to do both at the same time for sure. How do you turn that off cuz I I would imagine it would be hard to just write if you're got that part of your brain where you you're evaluating everything as you're writing it. Or you kind of limit yourself in that way? Like, how do you turn that off? Yeah, I mean, well, when I was an editor, the best thing for me to do was to not write after work. Because then I'd just been doing that all day. (laughs) And so my brain was in that mode, and I couldn't really turn that off. But So I would either write really early in the morning or on weekends. Um, But... Now I feel like the best thing to do is to just like sort of allow myself to write total garbage, which is which is hard. But I had this one day where I was um I I was having oh I was talking to my husband who's also a writer and we were talking about this book I was working on and I was just having a huge problem with it. And part of the problem was that like um one of the the kids was um he had a huge conflict with his dad, but his dad was like an absentee father. So he was never in the book. And my husband said, well, you need to have a scene with him so that you can show, um, you know, what their relationship is. And I said, that doesn't make any sense because he's an absentee dad. Like why on earth would he be in the book? And, uh, and he was like, well, just write the scene. So I literally went to the library and I typed at the top of the page. I wrote, this scene won't be in the book. And then I just wrote it, like, just to prove how wrong he was, that this would be terrible. And then, of course, it was amazing, and it's in the book. But <laughs> but I think the idea that you just, like, allow yourself to write something just to see what happens, and, like, you're, it's not, it does, you know it's not going to be the final thing, really makes you just be a little bit more creative. That's cool. Now, you, you mentioned a couple different writing places. Do you have, like, your... Where you go to write, like, you know, do you go to a cabin by the lake or what's your preferred writing location? I write a lot just in my office at home um, and I write um, in coffee shops a lot just because it helps me to get out because working at home I get so antsy sometimes and I'll write (laughs) at the library. But I can really write anywhere. I'll write on the train if I'm going somewhere. I'll write on an airplane. Just I don't really have to be in a specific spot really. Okay. That's good. That's probably an important skill. Yeah. So what are so. your favorite books to read? Um, well, I, I read a lot of middle grade for sure. And I read a lot of YA. Um, and I try to read some grown up books. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like nonfiction a lot too. Uh, so I read a lot of nonfiction, but, um, I think, well, my favorite, favorite children's book is Holes by Lewis Soccer, which is just amazing. Yes. You guys, you guys have read that one. It's so yes. good. I haven't read it yet, but Phil keeps bugging me. We did just, just read it. In our, in our book club, we read all the Wayside School books. I love those. So now I got to keep, I got to read Holes. Yeah. Cause it's 
It, it sounds, sounds like, like it's a lot different, but it, it's, I really like his style a lot. Yeah. I mean, that book was actually, I read that book, it came out when I was in college, and um, and that was really the book that convinced me that I could make a go of being a writer, because it somehow had not really occurred to me that people who wrote good children's books were writing them right now. Like, it seemed like it was something mm-hmm. that really old <laughs> yeah. people did a long time ago. I had felt that same way until Phil kind of opened my eyes, my eyes too. Like, like, all the good... I felt like all the good kids' books were around when I was a kid, right. and that's it. And I've read all of those. I've read all the Beverly Cleary books. I've read all Judy Bloom. I've read right. all that, that stuff. stuff. So why, what else what is else there? there? Yeah, exactly. So, so I read this book, and I I was blown away by it. It was it was just one of the best books I'd ever read, and it's really the reason that I decided to try to make a go of writing. And what's really funny is that the publishing house that I ended up working for, for our Stress and Drew, was the publishing house that published Holes. Um, That's cool. Yeah, and so um, eventually one of my um, bosses, Frances Foster, uh, that I ended up working with while I was there, she was the woman who edited that book, and I was just so, so happy to work with her. That's awesome. cool. So have you gotten to meet any other like cool authors that you looked up to or anything like that? I did. I met Lewis Sacker one time. He came into the office and... Francis, my boss, knew that I just loved his book and was a huge, huge fan, so she made sure to introduce me, and I was, like, just a, just the weirdest. Like, I couldn't even speak, and I felt really, really stupid, and, um, because I just, I just love that book, and, uh, and I read his books when I was a kid, too, like, you know, uh, Sixth Grade Secrets and the Wayside <clears throat> School books. I love those. And, uh, but his wife was there too, and she could tell that I was really nervous, so she was like asking me questions and being really nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's always nice when they, when, when people that you're scared to meet do that, like yeah. break the ice. That's, I feel like that's a tactic that they learn. Um, like it's a good tactic because, because you, you, they're probably nervous about being around people that are nervous all the time. And, and so, so I, I like, like it when they do that, when they're like, so, tell me about yourself. Right. Break the tension there. Right. She was, like, asking me where I was from. And it was just funny because, you know, I worked with a ton of authors. You met authors, you know, every day or every week. But that yeah. was the first author that I really met that I was so in love with when I was a kid. So that was very <clears throat> different. And then the other author I met when I was there <clears throat> that I loved as a kid was Judith Biorst. Uh, who wrote Alexander and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good Day, among many, many others. Oh, man, yeah. I just, I guess they're turning that into a movie. I know. That finally. kind of broke my heart a little bit, though. Have you seen the trailer? I don't know. Should I, I haven't I seen it. I don't know that I should say that publicly, but I think it looks like <laughs> <laughs> No, it's okay. Um, I'm, I'm always apprehensive because adapting kids' books is, well, is very hard to miss. It's a picture book, right? Because I just feel like... How do you stretch that into a? Fe- right. I feel like any feature length movie, they're obviously going to be stretching it out because that's a very short book. Yeah, and when you start doing that, it can be good. It can also be horrible. So because yeah. you look at like the Seuss adaptations, there some are okay, some are not okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. Yeah, I always so, so- get really nervous around picture books turned into movies. I don't know. So speaking of adaptations, are there any uh, any in the works? Is that something you'd be interested for your own stuff? I would love that. I think it would be so fun. And I feel like somehow I feel like for my own book, I would be able to like, you know, dissociate the two and just watch it as a movie. But um, mm. but nothing's in the works. So, so mm, we'll have okay. to see. 
So who do we need to talk to? About I know, right? Happen? <laughs> Get on it. Well, I feel like I they're, they're really to be amazing. Hollywood has definitely turned their eye to YA as far as mining for intellectual property. So it's probably only a matter of time. That's, I mean, your book's great. It's just got to get in the right hands, you know. Yeah, I, I think like it has a very visual aspect to it too. Like it's, it's, I, I the whole, you know, there's some books that you read that even if they're great, you don't, vi- you know, have a vision of what it looks like. And I feel like yours just has this, this. I can imagine the universe, and it feels very different from the regular world, and I love that. Mm-hmm. So I want to see a movie of that too. So, <laughs> so yeah, I see. I'm looking at some of your other books, and it it sounds like. They're kind of stories about kids and, like, more life-type stuff. Yeah, all of my other books so far have been um, realistic. and. Um, so what made you want to take this turn into the fantastic? Was it just because you wanted to try something different? Or is this something you've had in your mind for a long time? Well, I really – I set out originally to write a story that was sort of in the same vein as Holes and um, The Westing Game. Um, oh my, my gosh. gosh. <laughs> you just see, that's my favorite. I love it. All time. Yeah. So I like originally what I wanted to do was, um, was write a story where there's all these disparate threads and then they come together in ways that you don't yeah. expect, which both of those books do so, so well. Oh, yeah. And, um, and so that was my original idea. And I didn't really know right away that it was going to be a fantasy. And then, um, I just all of a sudden this spark of an idea, where I realized that it needed to have magic in it, and that's where everything sort of started to tie together. Cool. Very well, cool. Um, my other, <clears throat> excuse me, my other like thought on on the tangle of knots was just like I don't know the way that the the characters like I, I, maybe I don't know maybe I'm just not an observant reader, but the way that you brought all the different ones into I did not get. Like I, it, I, it caught me by surprise every time you would realize another connection between like the different people. Like I didn't know who V was until like the very end, and it was awesome. Like I loved, <laughs> I love being surprised like that, and I didn't expect to be like you know that surprised by a book. So I don't know that, that was really cool. <laughs> oh, thanks. Um, let's see other. Uh, okay, so uh, we we a lot of times we'll start out an interview like this, but just because we kind of we got around to it a little backwards it's still important to ask you already kind of mentioned a favorite book but do you have outside of the uh literary world do you have a favorite movie tv show band video game some key questions here what okay what are they movie movie book that's on your tv show you watch cheesy movies i love cheesy movies i I love any movie that ends in a giant dance sequence (laughs) 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 love it um do you have a favorite in particular? Probably Save the Last Dance. Um, that's that's a good one. It gets me every time. Also, I I own that movie on VHS in Italian, so it's been dubbed into Italian, and uh, and the title is called Save the Last Dance. And it and it it also has um, on the VHS. There's like bonus at the end where a choreographer who's Italian. So I don't know where they got this guy, but an Italian choreographer teaches you one of the dances from the movie it's amazing so do you know the dance um i you know i'm not i wasn't that dedicated but i did watch the entire choreography video but i didn't attempt to learn it so you speak italian i do i studied um in college i studied abroad in italy Uh 
Phil's Italian. He doesn't even speak Italian. I don't understand, like, a few words. When your grandpa yells at you, is that what you understand? Yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> I probably can't say him on the show, you know. Wait, so your grandfather's, like, Italian-Italian. Yeah, 100% Italian. That's awesome. Where where in Italy are they from? Uh, from Sicily. Ah, that's a good place. Have you been? I never have, no. I, my dad has, but I have not yet. Oh, I'd love beautiful. to. beautiful. We've been, been to, to Italy, Italy at Epcot at- Center. Yeah, that's, that's it's exactly the same. <laughs> they have the Alfredo restaurant. Are you familiar restaurant. with Sicily at all? That's... What's that? Are, are you familiar with Sicily? Were you like there ever? I went. I visited um, when when I was in Italy, and I decided to go to Sicily, and it's it's absolutely beautiful. They their town that he was from was actually on like right by Mount Etna. Okay. Like the volcano that's like still active. Yeah. So, anyway. <laughs> Sounds familiar. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you were see, there about, for like um, a whole year? I studied in Italy. I was in Italy actually for a year and a half. I spent six months oh, wow. in Siena, which is near Florence, and then a year in Venice. That's cool. Yeah. Is that did you meet your husband out there? Is that more recently? No, we met in, when when I was in New York. Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he was Italian too, you know. He is actually he's a quarter Italian, so um so I I'm not Italian at all, but <laughs> but I sort of married in. Do you ever Do you ever miss Big Bear? <laughs> I miss um the people who are mostly not there anymore and um I miss like I miss kind of knowing everyone. Is that weird? Do you miss that, Phil? I don't know. Like part of me doesn't miss that, but well, Phil missed it so much that he moved back to a small town. Yeah, I'm in Yukaipa now, which is you, know, oh, you're like, you can just go up right now and come yeah, back. Yeah, my parents are still up there, so I'm not that far away. You know? Right. <laughs> yeah, my I mean my parents are still there too, but uh so I get to go back. But I I think okay. I I don't know, I love to like stories about Big Bear, especially on the East Coast, people are like, What? <laughs> <laughs> people when i say i'm from the mountains of southern california first of all their brains explode and right. you know this <laughs> right and uh i don't know i just big bear is such a kooky place and actually um one of my books is basically set in big bear even though i call it a different name but i have oh man which one, which uh, one umbrella that? summer so i have like okay, the that. market is in there and then like <laughs> um, and then like Maple Hill and like all the all the landmarks are all Big Bear. That's awesome. Right, that's, that's the next, the next one. one. <laughs> that's, the really <laughs> that's awesome. We um yeah, I mean we, we you know we're down what we're an hour away, so we probably go up once a month or something. Yeah, like so I'm, I'm I'm around quite a bit. <laughs> um, what now? Also, speaking of Big Bear and, and family and stuff, for those that are longtime listeners to stuff that I've done, we've actually had your brother on a podcast, I think two other times, on my other show that I do, The Pillage Cast. So if you recognize the last name Graf, you might uh, recognize that his name is Ryan Graf. So um, do, you, do you stay in touch with Ryan much? Yeah, definitely. So I go back to California to see him as much as I can, which is not that often because it's a long plane trip. But um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> He has two adorable little kids now. They're like the cutest things on earth. So, yeah, I've see, I've seen several pictures. Not met him in person, but yeah, they're pretty cute. They're so cute. <laughs> so, 
Excellent. Okay, let's see. So, do you? What about a favorite TV show? Do you have any current shows? Uh, fa- okay, my favorite current TV show is Orphan Black, which I'm obsessed with. I've heard a lot about this. I haven't watched it yet. It's so I good. I'm like on a crusade it. to make everyone watch it. So you should watch. It. I'm not a science fiction person, really, um, which is hilarious because the the uh, novels that I write with my husband, the YA ones, are science fiction. <laughs> but I love this show. I had I'd read an article about it, and it sounded like something that my husband and I both might like because we we have that like you know typical couple thing where we don't like the same TV show, so it's like so difficult to find something. And we both are obsessed with it. It's so so good. What's that? What is it on? What channel? It's on BBC America. Bizarrely, but you can get it on demand. You can get it on Amazon. It's totally worth it. It's amazing. Just watch it. Just do it right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I gotta go. I'm gonna go watch. Yeah, go. Film, I don't so. even care. Just say go. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. <laughs> uh, let's see. Do you play video games? Um, a little bit. You know, as you know, my brother is the video game person. But um, right, <laughs> I really like Rayman. That like French game. Oh, yeah. It's sort of like Mario Brothers, which is why I like it because I just love Mario Brothers. Yeah, Raymond Legends is on sale right now on the 3DS store. I was thinking about getting it. It's really fun. It. It. Yeah. Phil and I played it and on the Wii U. Was that on the Wii U, Phil? Uh, we played it at Wii. a Comic-Con, and it was really yeah. cool. It's good. I like those games. Uh, what about music? Do you have favorite bands or artists? Um, I'm like the lamest person on earth when it comes to music because I listen to like show tunes and NPR. <laughs> so I'm a little. What is your prepared. favorite NPR show? My favorite. Well, I I really like This American Life, which is technically not NPR, but is on that station. Yeah, so that's probably my favorite. Yeah. it's pretty great. Yeah. Cool. I guess I like <laughs> stories. I just like things that have stories you know that's okay nothing wrong with that yeah and show tunes are fine what's your favorite do you have a favorite show um my favorite is probably a show called city of angels which is not very well known i think it came out in like the early 90s and it won the tony but like no one's ever heard of it and it's really really good and then my second favorite is guys and dolls which is a classic that is a classic it's a good one not the City of Angels with, like, Meg Ryan. No, because that's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> if there was a musical of that, I'd kind of want to see it just because it would be really It would be so amazing. Like, ah, uh, the scene where she just, like, gets hit by a bus. would be great. Yeah. And then it would have that Goo Goo Dolls song. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, this could be a great musical now that I'm thinking. It would be pretty fantastic. <laughs> I'm sure somebody somewhere is yeah, right. Can we make that. this happen? Do we have enough connections here? <laughs> <laughs> um okay so another question back to writing stuff yeah. you mentioned that you know you write with your husband how does that work how do you collaborate collaborate with with your writing uh it was i mean well so he originally comes from screenwriting so these books that we did together these were the first books that he'd written um and okay. so he was really used to collaborating because that's a huge thing obviously in screenwriting right. and i was not and so i think it was much more natural for him Um, but the way that we ended up doing it, which works really well for us, is that we spend a lot of time brainstorming and outlining. So we have like a really, really, really detailed outline of the book before we get started. And then we end up usually splitting up chapters based on who is more interested or confident in writing a specific chapter. And, um, and so we'll write the first draft 
by ourselves and then we'll pass it to the other person and they'll sort of rewrite it and pass it back to us and then or me and then I'll rewrite it again and pass it back to him. And so by the time <clears throat> we're done, we've rewritten the chapter like eight or ten times and um and you, you can't really tell like what line was yours anymore. That's cool. Yeah. It's a it's a fun way to write because there's always someone who like <clears throat> who can make your jokes funnier or who can make your scene work better. And I think I'm not someone who typically likes outlining ahead of time. I don't really like to do that. And um and so for me it was really, really challenging to spend that much time outlining, but it was good too because, you know, there's someone who can kind of be like, Well, why do you want to do that? You know, that, that seems like that might not work. And you'd have to really, like, fight for your ideas, which would make you understand them better and why they were important to you. So it was kind of cool. Wow. That's awesome. So in the end, it really is, like, a collaborative thing. You're not, like, well, I wrote most of it, but he wants his name on it kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when we started, I think we thought that, like, because it's sci-fi, like I said, it's really funny, silly sci-fi. Um, it's really weird. And, um, and so originally we thought that he was going to sort of be like the idea guy and that I was going to do a lot of the writing. Um, but it didn't work out that way at all. It really became much more collaborative than I think we even envisioned it being at the beginning. That's cool. Mm -hmm. Sweet. So, um, let's see. I, I had a couple more. And then, um, Brenda, did you have any more questions you wanted to get to before the end? No, I think I think we covered a lot of ground here. Okay, well, just a couple more then. Um, Go for it, Phil. What's, and you kind of mentioned, I mean, we got the scoop already on the uh, the side project, or the, uh, what did you call it? What was the correct term for the Tangle of Knots? The companion the book. Side yeah. story. Companion Do you have any other, like, upcoming projects you want to talk about that will be out before that? Yeah, I have. So I just finished um, a middle grade uh, that comes out next year. It doesn't have a title yet. We're still trying to figure out a title. But it's actually a companion book to Umbrella Summer, the book that I mentioned before. So it also takes place Ah. in Fake Big Bear. Um, (laughs) That's cool. Yeah, so I just finished that, and that'll be out next year. All right. And then um, do you have any, like... Do you have a website that you want to talk about or plug or any kind of things you would like to promote while you're on the show? Sure. Uh, my website is lisagraff.com. Graff is G-R-A-F-F. And, uh, and I have all sorts of fun resources, especially for teachers and librarians and parents. So I have like recipes on there and crafts on there and all sorts of things that tie into books and then recommended books that aren't mine. And so all sorts of fun stuff on there. That's cool. Now, recently you've done, you were like a judge for something. Is that right? Yeah. Well, uh, I think you're talking about the New York Times thing. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't quite get what yeah, you're talking about. So I'm doing that right now. So um, I actually was supposed to be working on that today, but um, I failed to. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. So, um, <clears throat> so every summer the New York Times runs this contest for teens where basically teens can pick any article in the New York Times that week, and then um, write their thoughts about it. It's like 350 words max. And then they pick a published author to um, decide their favorite. And I don't actually think the teens win anything, but, you know, glory. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But so I'm judging those right now. So I've been been combing through last week's. Oh, that's Um, cool. It's kind of of fun to see teens and and what they think about current news. It's kind of neat. What, like, now... 
you go around to a lot of schools and do like talk about books and writing and stuff. Yeah, I do that a lot. How does that like do you just talk about your own stuff? Do you teach them about writing or what kind of stuff do you talk about at schools? It depends really on what the school wants me to do, but mostly what I do is um, I'll go to a school and I usually give um, three one-hour presentations to um, a bunch of kids. Like, it can be anywhere from, like, a classroom to an auditorium full of 600 kids or something at a time. And so I do a little presentation where I talk about my life and how I became a writer and my books and then we talk about, you know, writing in general and how a book gets made. And um, they ask me all sorts of silly questions. And we play a little game. And it's it's pretty fun. That's cool. You don't want to really do cool. – do you ever come out to California and do that? Because my wife is a teacher. So. Yeah, I don't really come out to California that often because they don't ask me. So <laughs> I go all over the country, but I really don't get asked by California. I think partly because the public school budget is, you know, not yeah. that good in California. Yeah. yeah. But I would love, love, love to come out to California more. Well, maybe next time you're visiting Ryan, we should set something up. Yeah, that would be awesome. Okay, that's good. What yeah. grade does she teach? Second grade. Oh, but, that's awesome. But, so, but it's like se- the school is second through sixth, I think. She just got a new job at a new school, so I'm not sure. So I'm not oh, sure. that's great. I think it's that. Anyway. Um, and then, so you're always posting like really funny quotes or things that kids say or write to you. What's the best question you've ever gotten from a kid at one of these things? Oh, my gosh. Um, or a yeah, couple. The, or kids, a couple. <laughs> the kids ask like the silliest things. I just love it. I think... Well, actually, I I think that not the the silliest, but probably the best question I got um, I got recently when I was in Michigan, and this kid asked me a super thoughtful question. He said, "You know, why do you have sometimes your characters use words that we're not supposed to say in school?" And like, I never have like dirty words in Ooh. my book, but he meant words <laughs> like stupid or like dumb, like things that they're not supposed to call right. other people. <laughs> And it was it was great because we got to have this whole conversation about, you know, like characters and, and what their language should be. Like, should it be language that's the best language for people to use or should it reflect who they are and why do authors choose to use, like, quote unquote, bad words? And it was really neat. It was a huh. great question. Um, but I get asked all sorts of weird stuff. Like, I get asked, like... One kid asked me what my favorite type of mustard was. <laughs> that's important. Like, that's I, important do enough. you really? That's really what you want to do with your time. All right. Um, well, what then, is your favorite kind of mustard? I said grainy Dijon. I don't. But then I like it was. I don't know. I was in the moment, you know. So I don't know. You don't have to commit to that. That's okay. Right. It's tough. Yeah, they ask you ridiculous things, and then they always want to know like how much money I make, and then I um. They ask me a lot how old I am, and I won't answer just because in my presentation, there's this, I have my first grade school ID, and so it says the year on it. And so I I tell them that, I I always say, you know, if you were paying attention, you'd know, so I'm not going to answer that, so you can learn how to be a top secret spy in the future. And, (laughs) And then this one kid raised her hand and she said, why do you want us to be spies? Well, I've enjoyed many of like if you have one like almost every week it seems like, and they're always a crack up. So keep it coming. The they're keep it coming. so funny. <laughs> cool. Well, um, is there anything else before we kind of wrap it up? Anything else you wanted to add or talk about, Lisa? 
Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Did we bug you with enough questions there? I think. <laughs> There's a lot of questions. They were good though. Um, not as weird as the mustard one, I guess. Though we, no. we got to up our question writing a little bit here. A little bit here. So. Well, the kids, I tell them, I'll give a prize to the person who asked me the best question of the day. So I don't, <laughs> I don't, I didn't tell you that ahead of time. So. Oh yeah, if I had known that, I would have. Yeah, what prize? <laughs> what, do you, what do you give them? I give them a magnet with one of my books on it. It's kind of a lame prize, but um, <laughs> but I feel like if I do that, then they will actually think of good questions. That's, that's um, true. That's I true. heard one author gives away money to kids who ask good questions. Wow. I was like, that's wow. intense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I, I stick with magnets. Yeah, magnet is good. Yeah. Just call it a hard drive eraser, and it makes it sound even more exciting. Sound even more exciting. <laughs> Amazing. It's a spy tool. Yeah, if they're going to yeah, get spies. <laughs> you can wipe the evidence after they clear out the stuff they need. Yeah. That's dumb. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, uh, I think, Brennan, do you have anything else before we wrap it up? Do you have any embarrassing Phil stories? <laughs> do I have any embarrassing Phil stories? Um, I remember that Phil had sort of like an afro and. <laughs> It was more. I've seen pictures of the mullet, and I've seen like, yeah, I've seen the mullet pictures. It was well. I think what you're referring to is probably because I had long hair. Like at one point, it was like almost down to my shoulders type thing, but it was like you know, it wasn't like straight. It was kind of curly and wavy, so it poofed up real big. Yeah, I don't know. I just wanted to have something different and weird, and I, I guess I did so. But looking back, I kind of wish maybe I got a haircut once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's I, cool. also, I think my other memory of Phil is that, uh, like, when you would not, like, get upset, but, like, when people would um, use, like, bad language in their stories, you'd always be like, bad word! <laughs> <laughs> I was the censor. <laughs> yeah, you'd, like, shout it out when people were reading. <laughs> That was obnoxious back then too. <laughs> I think I just thought it was really funny, so it didn't bother me. But, <laughs> but well, <laughs> if anyone that I did that to is listening, I'm sorry. Sorry. <laughs> but I guess I was just. Trying you to didn't read that when you read my book, and they said stupid, and you went bad word. Bad word. Bad word. <laughs> uh, okay, I've told this on the show before, but uh, my daughter, who is five, she was in uh, transitional kindergarten this year, TK, they call it. And she came home from school one day and she said, like, Mommy, Daddy, these kids were calling me bad names at school. And we're like, oh, no. Like, what did they say? You know, what are they telling you? Her name is Audrey. Mm-hmm. And she said, um, oh, they were calling me Aubrey with, like, with a B. <laughs> with a B. I was like, they probably like, just don't know how to say your name right. I don't think they were trying to be mean, but we were dying. So kids' perspective <laughs> on what's good and bad is, is, is right. it changes a lot. So, anyway. Um. Yeah, bad. I did have bad hair back in the day. He didn't like bad words. I didn't like bad words. Hated the cursing. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I wish I had more embarrassing Phil stories up my sleeve. That's That's okay. okay. To be fair, he he generates enough on his own. He doesn't. doesn't, They they don't really need to be digging up any dirt. All right, all right. I think I was maybe what a year or two ahead of you in school, probably. Yeah, I think so. What year did you graduate? I was ninety-seven. Yeah, I was 99. Okay, yeah. So 
to be fair, we didn't have a lot of like class crossovers. Cross- yeah, we know. We just really were in the writing club, right? Yeah, That's yeah. yeah. And your brother's a year ahead of me, I think. So I, think so. I had Spanish with him, I think, or something like that. So anyway, something like anyway. That. So yeah, cool. Good, good times though. I, I'm I'm so excited that you were able to come and do this, and that someone who was in a creative writing club with me is like a successful author. Successful author. <laughs> I hope that can rub off at some point. <laughs> Yeah, you gotta go. You gotta go back to the high school and visit Mr. Harrison. Yeah, is he still there? He well, I yeah, he is because my my mom's the librarian there, right? So um, so she's still there, and um, so sometimes I get to see the teachers, which is fun. And I went in maybe three years ago and talked to his class, and it was really trippy because he was yeah, that must have been a trip. It was so weird. He was teaching all the same novels, too, basically. And I was like, how How do you do this without pulling your hair out? But he's, like, the coolest teacher. He was, like, so excited and, like, just full of energy. And I couldn't imagine doing that for that long, but he was so great. Yeah. And it was really, really trippy and weird to to speak to the kids, but they were really fun. <laughs> That's cool. Mr. Mr. Harrison... Um who was the creative writing guy also was my uh, guitar teacher. I'm, he's the one that taught me how to play guitar. Oh yeah. Oh cool. Little, little more history with Mr. Harrison. He's great. And then your mom, didn't your mom teach history? She did. Yeah. So she, she was the librarian and then she taught history in English too. Now she just. I'm pretty sure I had her for history one year. Mm hmm. And if I remember, I remember her being awesome. So (laughs) when I was there um, to, to talk to Mr. Harrison's class, I had, like an hour where I had nothing to do. So I was hanging out in my mom's classroom and she was giving the kids their history final, like world history. And so I decided to take it and I failed it. <laughs> I got, yeah, like, I would be so scared. That's what I feel like would happen. <laughs> so I was like, I was like, you know, I always have those nightmares where you're, you realize you haven't graduated high school and you have to, <laughs> you ha- but in my nightmares, it's always like that I have to pass calculus or that I have to pass biology and I'm never worried about history, but I should have been because I <laughs> failed that test. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm scared now. Yeah, I'm scared now. That's that's all right. You, obviously, you got enough out of it to be able to write a book. So, so. I, think, I think that's a, that's, I think that's, that's a, all you that's, need. That's I can fake need. it. I just now I can look stuff up. <laughs> yeah, that's what they yeah. Need the internet for right. For exactly. Yeah, we got Wikipedia. We don't. That's what. That's all we need, right? Yeah. That's what I should have told the school children while I was there. <laughs> yeah. You're not going to need any of this. It's all on the computer. <laughs> like, what do you kids do now that you got the internet? Do you even have to do stuff? Kids these days. So does your mom still use like the Dewey Decimal System? Do they still? How does the library at school work? So she's not actually in the library anymore because they cut the library funding. So she's oh, okay. just, just in. Teacher. She's just a history teacher now. Okay. I mean, just a history okay. teacher. Like, she, well, she, yeah. She, well, yeah. Right. She teaches history um, full time now, as opposed to doing just a couple periods of that and then being in the library the rest of the time. Okay. Yeah. So they don't even have. Wow. That's kind of. Yeah, they had. So they just have a library aide, and then um, Mrs. Deisler, who was the library aide. She just retired this year, so this was oh, her last year. Okay. I know, it's the end of an era. Yeah, wow. I mean, what about card catalogs? Do those exist still? Well, they transferred over, I think. Phil, you act like you've never been in a library well, like before. talking about our school, like, specifically, <laughs> you know. No, they transferred over when I was still there, so you oh, you okay. must have been, oh, like, okay. the card the catalog was out with you. You retired the card okay. catalog. I don't know, like... 
you and I think you can back me up on this. Big Bear tends to be a couple years behind the time sometimes. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. So just you know, they still have microfiche. Yeah, they might. I don't know. <laughs> and film strips. Yeah, and it's possible. Did you know, Phil? Now this is just like disintegrating into like BBHS <laughs> gossip. But did That's you okay. know that they took out the um, the part of the quad where we all had our handprints? No. Yeah, I was so sad. What did they put they there? um. <laughs> They, well, they were, um, they did some remodeling one summer and like whoever was in charge of the remodel just accidentally like bulldozed that part or something. <laughs> oh, that's so it's, horrible. Not, it's not there anymore. And it went back. All these head prints don't look important. <laughs> it went back like 20 years or something like that. Yeah. I mean, it was like yeah. everyone who had graduated had like put their hands in the cement. That's, that's, so it's that's, not, that's, it's not there anymore. I'm sorry to, to bring that to you. There goes your lasting... That's like them like, accidentally bulldozing in front of Grauman's Theater in Hollywood. Yeah, oh, know, right? Nothing here. There's nothing some here. really good handprints there. Yeah. <laughs> That's a bummer. Yeah. Wow. Well, on that note. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry to be such a downer, everyone. No, that's uh, – we could do our, our own show about Big Bear High. I don't know how many people would listen, but uh, – <laughs> <laughs> All 14 people who had. <laughs> yeah, I think you know, there was like, what, 120, 140 in my graduating class? So. Yeah, something so. like that. It's a pretty good you know, audience out there. <laughs> yeah. All right. Good audience. All right. So, uh, lisagraph.com, right? Yes. Lisa Graf. And your newest book is called Absolutely Almost. Yes, that came out last month. Sounds like it's doing really well. It's on the Amazon Best Book of 2014 so far. Yeah, it's been getting some really good reviews. I'm pretty pumped about it. And you're on, like, all kinds of reading lists everywhere with various books of yours as well. Yeah, yeah, that's fun. That's part of the reason I get to talk to kids in school so much is because my books have been on a lot of state lists. That's Like, do you have to petition to do that, or how does that happen? Um, I... Think so. There's each state works differently, but each state has committees of librarians, and they basically these librarians are just sort of saints. They like read just every book basically that comes out that year, huh. or some in some cases the past several years, and they decide which one should be on the list that year, and then it becomes recommended, or in some cases required reading depending on the state. So it's always kind of fun to go into schools where kids have been you know forced to read your book. <laughs> Because sometimes they're really pumped about it, and then there's always that one kid that's like, so actually I didn't like this book. <laughs> Which is, it just cracks me up. I love it. That's cool. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So if should everybody should check that book out. And if you're part of our book club, you should have already checked out A Tangle of Knots. But if you haven't, you should get on that. Definitely. And... Um, yeah. It's on a lot of lists. I'm looking at all these lists. <laughs> this is the part of the show where we start just looking at the internet, so it's when we have, to wrap, it up. We have to wrap it up. All right. um, <laughs> and then you're on Twitter also. I am, And you got yeah. a Facebook page, so just Lisa Graf. Yeah, on Twitter. Lisa Graf on Twitter. Yeah, nothing creative. <laughs> um, cool. Thank you so much for being on the show. It was really cool having you. Yeah, thank you, you very much. Yeah, this was really fun. I had a really good time. We'll uh, we'll send you the link when it's up so you can tell all your friends. <laughs> awesome. I'll tweet about it. 
Um, yeah, and then we'll tell people to listen to your, follow your tweets. And anyway, um, also cool. it maybe you know, in the, when in the future, please come back on the show. We'd love to hear updates on your new books and projects, that kind of thing. Yeah, that'd be great. So, I got you to commit to it on recording now, so you can't say no. So, later. You can't say no. <laughs> Which hey. did. <laughs> Done. Um, all right. So, um, anything else, Phil? Any um, pertinent news? Yeah, that's good. As far as uh, for our listeners, we're going to be on uh, our next show is going to be at the at Comic Con, right? We're not. Are we going to do one the 18th? We, do, oh, we got one. There's one in between. Weekend, okay, maybe and then we've got Comic Con. Okay. So we'll have one more. Unless you want to take that weekend off, I don't know. Well, we'll see. Wait, no, we don't because. I'm going to publish this one this week. We still have the one from this week. Right. This will go up next week. That's right. So, I think so the next, the next one, one is Comic Con. Yeah. So, so that'll be our mega cast. Um, and if you're going to be at Comic Con, um, let us know. We got some stickers. Yeah. We'll we'll hang out. We'll meet you. We'll meet up in the free soda room. So definitely let us and, know. Uh, and then we'll also be doing our Benview Network mega cast. We're putting that together right now. We're planning it out. And uh, no panel this year. Well, you have a panel. Unfortunately. I'm on a... Oh, yeah, that's right. I'm on a panel. It's Sunday. Um, it's Sunday. In, uh it's one of the last panels on the schedule. So just look at the last panel on the Sunday schedule. It's called part Full-Time Creative Work on a Part-Time Schedule. And I'll be on that panel with a bunch of people. And if you come up, come to the panel... We'll have stickers. Excellent. Any other? Do we have any? We should have like a bonus prize. If somebody wears a Radio Brendo Man shirt, you'll get bonus yeah, prize. We'll have some good we don't stuff. know what it is yet, but if you come to Comic Con wearing a Radio Brendo Man shirt, you'll get we'll bonus prizes. Totally. All right. All right. So don't forget RadioBrendo.com and all that other stuff. BraxComics.com for when Phil finally decides to write a new comic. <laughs> How's that going, Phil? Um, I'm on it right now. Has Lisa's, like, this has been like a pep talk. Yeah, it, it is. You. It's, it's actually very encouraging. So, <laughs> Go PBS. That's right. I know. I mean, there I've got a go. legacy to uphold now. I didn't even know. Yeah. So so, 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 so you better start writing. All right. It's on. What about, um, you said you were going to f- start putting your book up again because you only put up a couple chapters. I know. See, now i got to do that, too. Phil found one of his books from when? When did you write? That this was book? actually even before PBS. I wrote that in like seventh grade, I believe. So Phil's that been was like sharing my first one of his book. Old... I guess you could say I wrote. It's pretty bad, but I don't know. What's it called? <laughs> I'm embarrassed to even say because keep in mind I wrote this in seventh grade, even before <laughs> I had the like afro hair and the mullet and all that stuff. Come on. It was called Peter and the Blobs. Nice. Yeah. So I'll send it to you if you want to check it out. See if you want to. I will read it. <laughs> Does it have pictures or no? Just just text. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's. I don't know. It it. I think it reads like a seventh grader wrote it. So you know. That's the best kind. Yeah. <laughs> but it's fun. So yeah, I'll, I'll try to right. keep going, going on that too. I'll get the rest up. Um. So yeah. So. So yeah. Next week will be Comic Con, and then probably back to regular schedule. After that, that. who knows. Phil might go back on vacation again. Yeah, probably so. <laughs> All right, I think that's cool. good. Thank you again, Lisa, for being here. Yeah, thank you very much, Lisa. Yeah, thanks Lisa. for having me. All right, so for Radio Brendo Man, I'm Brendan Creasy. And I'm Phil Vecchio.
Have a good one, everybody. is a part of the Benview Network. You can find this and other podcasts like it at BenviewNetwork.com.